Proof-of-concept labs are a tool commonly used to remove obstacles from the sales process and help customers gain confidence in your product. This week, we bring in a special guest, Mr. Neto from Brazil, to talk about how the NetApp CPOC team proves functionality and performance. It's CPOC with Neto. He loves performance, and he loves his company. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Pedro Aero, Brooklyn Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Good afternoon and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast, episode number eight. My name is Pete Fletcher, a.k.a. Pedro Arrow. (laughs) And joining me as always is my biggest fan, Glenn Sizemore. You know, this is Tom Brady of the New England Patriots, and Glenn can attest that I have never deflated Hey, Glenn. I do not approve of that (laughs) intro. I do not. No, no. What have I gotten myself into here? (laughs) They send in my plan. That's all I'm saying. I'm totally actually down with the the, the weird walk a walk sound and the Tom Brady part. It's it's the. the, the, No. He's just proclaiming his innocence. And for those of you that are not American football fans, Tom Brady never deflated a football in his life, correct? Correct. Awesome. Moving on. Mr. Sully, how you doing, sir? I am recovered. Oh, yeah? Much better than I was last week. You say that every week. You seem to be having bad weeks, and then you get recovered, and then you get sick again. No. Well, so that was the first time in years. I've been married for 12 years. That was maybe the second time that I've ever had a temperature. And uh, yeah, glad that that is over with. Well, we're glad to have you back, man. It's not the same without you in the studio. Joining us today to talk about the customer proof of concept labs is consulting systems engineer Neto from Brazil. Neto, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you very much, you guys. That's a dream to come true to be here. Oh, that's very sweet of you. Uh, I, you're an interesting fella. I have a couple of questions for you, and I'm very curious. Dan brought this to my attention a couple of weeks back, Dan Isaacs. Oh, I'm he, in trouble. Okay. He mentioned that your name on our global address list is actually Neto from Brazil. So maybe you can share with us, what is your last name? Um, from Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> from Brazil. is. <laughs> I like that. That's pretty interesting. And my first name is Neto. So you obviously Brazilian. Did you start at NetApp in Brazil? Did you just happen to move here as a child? What? What? what how did that work out? Uh, uh, I started NetApp in, in uh, nine, 1999, actually 2000, in Brazil as a systems engineer. And I go through all the phase, systems engineer, consultant system engineer in Brazil, covering Latin America. And I moved to North Carolina in 2010. So I have been within the top for 16 Christmas, 15 years, 10 years in Brazil, 5 years here. One thing, if you don't know Neto from Brazil, he's definitely famous for having a lot of passion. Would that be the word you'd use, Glenn? Yeah. Neto, you are very much like the guy that we throw out there when we're, we start talking about like NetApp culture. and, and I saw that. Yeah, appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, it, well, I mean, you're a great poster face for it because you, you 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 live it every single day. Like it's not just a workplace thing; it's very much a way of life for you, uh, and and it it comes across in in EBCs and customer conversations in your day job uh, working in the CPOC environment. We heard a rumor that today might be a special day for you, and figured we better get him in here. No, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, like I said, always say right. Netap is kind of my life, and what happened. Here, to be in the Tech on Top, is like I said, that's a dream to come true. I always like to listen to you guys, and I think that you guys are doing a great job. And for me, it's it's a 
really big pride to be here and talking to you guys. Well, it's, we're fortunate enough to have you on your birthday, and so with that... Happy birthday! Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Parabéns, amigo. Um abraço, huh? I don't know what that says, but it's Portuguese, and hopefully we didn't offend anybody, but uh, happy kinda, birthday. Kind of. You kind of offended me. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Happy birthday. <laughs> All right, well, we didn't come in here to talk to you about, about Brazil so much as we wanted to talk to you about uh, some of the cool things you're doing here at NetApp, one of which, which I'm very curious about, is the whole customer proof of concept thing. I know there are different ways to do CPOCs. I've heard other people say that not every customer really needs a customer proof of concept, uh, and when they do, sometimes it's maybe just a demo with a, with a virtual environment, uh, but then there are times when we need full-on performance uh, customer proof of concepts, whether they're on site or here at NetApp. So tell me a little bit about how you uh, participate in the whole customer proof of concept project at NetApp. Sure, sure. Uh, I can give a, a quick background about CPOC. So CPOC was created in 2000, maybe, I think 2007 for Niall Doherty. That's our director and Scott Grassio. You guys know Scott. Yep. Uh, and they create uh, a team for architects that we do proof of concepts. We focus in pre-sales helping to make the sales cycle a little bit small to help to accelerate the, the sales, pretty much that. Because, again, that's very complicated sometimes for an app to send equipments to the fields because that's not only to send equipments, right? They need to have the right people, the right methodology, the right tools. So basically in CPOC, we are here to help close deals, doing POCs, performance POCs, features POCs, helping account teams around the globe. That's the, the big idea about CPOC. So, so the goal of the Proof of Concept Lab is to work with account teams and essentially mimic the customer's application load and, and prove that, well, the things that we say we can do, we can actually do? Yes, and also we can run their applications. Of course, it depends on what kind of applications here. Sometimes they say, oh, I have an Oracle database and I need to simulate performance. And we need to ask, okay, can I mimic your workloads, creating a fake database here, and just do some Oracle engine exercise with some workload tools available in the markets? Or maybe I can have your database. Sometimes customers, they send their database to us, and we run their application here. It really depends. And right now, even with all flash files, Dan Isaacs had a great podcast here. We are doing, I'm personally, I'm doing a lot of all flash fast performance POCs. Yeah, so as I understand it, uh, there, there, and and to tie back into something that Pete was talking about, there, there are, I believe you think you guys call them standing demos. There, there are uh, a handful of environments that you know just come up constantly, right? Oracle, SQL Server, Exchange, uh, and 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 we have a couple of environments that we just have that stuff set up, and at any point in time, you know, a customer, we can just bring them in and give them the demo, right? You, you want to see what it looks like at, at the extreme end? Well, boom, here's an environment. It's already running Oracle. It's already tuned. It's on an AFF 8080. I'll just hit go here, and you can sit back and be impressed. Yeah, kind of that. So, yes, that, that's perfectly. And so, basically, we have two kind of POCs. Sometimes, uh, you know, we have also demos. I personally, that's from I think that's from my culture. POC and demo, to me, is, is the same thing. I, I have some fights with Scott about that. Because when you do a demo, you are trying to prove something. In the sure. POC, you are proving something in a different way. Of course, I think that one is more complex than other, but you are trying to prove doesn't matter what. Yes, we have standard environments that we have environments that are ready to show something. Like if someone comes today and say, oh, I want to see our Oracle performs on a flash fast. I can do today. 
But if they, if they come to us and say, I would like to see a 80-40 with three shelves, 400s, Oracle Rack windows, something different. Yeah. Okay, we need to build from scratch that. Most, most of, of the time, we build something from scratch, from CPOC. That's the reason that, like, like Andrew was saying, we need to talk to the comp teams, explain to them, and try to understand all the whole scenario about the PLC. We create a test plan, we present to the customer, okay, we, we agree that what we need to test, and we're moving forward. Sometimes they just need to see a huge number, like... Yeah number of IOPS or latency, and we use the standard environment to do that. Okay, okay. So how long does it take to actually, you know, what does your typical CPOC environment look like? Is there any automation into the process? I know you said you build them from scratch and they're all different, but in general, the sales team comes to you and says, Neto, you know, there's a deal on the table. We need to really show, we need to really prove that, that NetApp is the right choice for this, for this environment. Here are the specs. Go. And then what? How long does it take for you guys yeah. to get that turned around? Yeah, CPOC has a great team. We have uh, seven architects. We are trying to make that process very straightforward and quick for the comp teams, right? Because we need to close deals and sure. we need to beat our competitors. So basically, we try when that's a really custom environment. It varies from two to three weeks, but we try to be on that range uh, because it really depends. It not depends on the account team, but depends on the customer. If they also agree with the test, Sometimes customers, they fly to RTP. Mostly we do more than 90% of the time using WebEx. But it really depends. We try to keep in two to three weeks okay. if you need to build something. And, and, that, and that kind of aligns with, with my own experience uh, working with, with CPOC over the years. Um, I've, I've, of course, come across some of those weird ones uh, where, where the customer is like super, super specific and they're giving us a crazy complex environment. And sometimes it can take a couple of months to, to get yes. it built and stood up. And even the test case phase, you know, the, I'll, I think a lot of the value of, of what the customer proof of concept team provides for our customers is really the structure of a team of, of individuals. This is what they do. This is their life, right? This is where they are. They are the masters of this domain. And, and doing a proof of concept is not as simple as a lot of people think it is. Right, because it, it's the little things that you know. You mentioned what you, you, if you're paying attention when Neto went through the list, he's like, you know, we're agreeing to what the test is. You know, what's what's our methodology? What's going to be a success? What's a fail? Mm -hmm. You know, you you really need to define all of that stuff before you start. Yeah, um, because if you don't, what ends up happening is the requirements change on you. Mm -hmm. You get like halfway through, and and you know, they're like, ah, oh, I don't know. Like just just crank a, a hundred thousand IOPS at, at a millisecond. That should be enough, and then you will. That's super simple. So yeah, we can do that. Right. Right. But um, if you don't really get down to the what are we trying to solve here? What 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 are you trying to actually do in the real world? You know, if, if we can't get that information, then the customer ultimately is going to end up either not buying enough or buying too much. And in either case, they're not happy because they're they're not optimal. Right. Yeah. What you want is to buy the minimum amount for what you're trying to actually accomplish. Yeah, right? that's a great point. So basically, we need to make sure that the success criteria, we need to, I, that's the, the, I like to say that's a backward process. Basically, we need to understand what's the final goal and what we need to do from a sales perspective to meet their, that goal. Because that's a lot of situations that they want to see something but actually, they don't. They just need something of that because mm -hmm. that's a big difference between I want something and I need something. Right? Yeah. Okay. That's a big difference between something like that. So we try to make it simple and try to make it quick mm -hmm. 
to help the customer and the account team to close the deal. Okay. Well, we can't use obvious specific customers, but can mm -hmm. you give us an example of some of your more recent uh, proof of concepts that you've been involved in? Yes. Uh, let me give you a kind of crazy one. Eight nodes, 8080, all flash fast. Okay. Running 150,000 IOPS for a week, showing no more than one millisecond response time, creating thousands of snapshots and clones, doing DB2, uh, Oracle, um, monitoring everything with OCI, some Grafana dashboards as well. Was was fun. Well, it, it, it think about what you just said, right? He's like, yeah, so here's one. Um, I had a customer that wanted me to deploy an 8-node 8080, and I needed to have uh, uh, Oracle rack in there and then some DB2. And, oh, yeah, they wanted us to be able to monitor the whole thing with OCI, and they wanted to see real-time performance through Grafana. Like, that is not an, an SE coming in and giving you a demo, right? What that, that is... That, that is that very last phase. It, it's the equivalent of like the test drive when you're buying a car, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, you know what? This this car looks nice. I like the lines. The color's right. I could see myself in this car. Now I just need to go drive it and see whether or not it feels good to me, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the, uh, very much what, what, what these guys do is, is the architectural equivalent of that, right? Okay, NetApp, we get the sales pitch. Sounds fantastic. Feature set's going to help us out. Proof. Yep. Show me. Yeah, PowerPoint looks good. Yeah. Now let's see it. I, yeah. like, I, I like to say that uh, we do Podemox. Podemox means that's a mix between if you combine POC and demo and put all together, the name is Podemox. You do POCs. Sometimes when we are supposed to do a demo, you do a POC as well because you need to prove more than just a demo. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because when you're trying to do, okay, let me show to you 100,000 IOPS in an 8080 and just I'm just going to press the button. Customer going to say, oh, but can you show me something else more? That's not a demo. That's a POC. So right. I like to say Podemoki. So we do. But again, it depends. I did uh, one last week for one guy. It's a very nice guy in Finland. That that was a 8060 running Orion FIO showing how many IOPS you can do at 200 microseconds, how many IOPS you can do at 250 microseconds, how many IOPS you can do at 500 microseconds. Wow. Like that's that's <laughs> that's crazy. I'm actually extremely interested in the results of that. That <laughs> sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. So that brings up an interesting question. Do you guys feed back that information into engineering or the TME organizations? Um, yeah, we can we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Politically correct. I well, I think the 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 truth of the matter is, and and this kind of speaks to that that culture statement at the beginning. You know that. NetApp is a very large company. There's a lot of people here. Uh, yep. This is a very big boat. We've got a lot of people that, that, that are pulling on the oars trying to get to where we're going. But internally, the structure is still very much ran like in the old days in the of roots. Course. And, and you know, people know Neto. People know Philip. People know Scott. You know, we know the people who are over there. And, like, on the FlexPod team, when we get into these situations where, you know, we're, we're looking for expertise or we have a question – we know these guys are downstairs, and if we think that they may have an answer or perhaps they've got some, some intuition to feed into us, we just go ask them. Yeah. You know, it, it's, not, it's not very, uh, you know, agree or disagree, Neto, at will here, but I don't think it's a formalized process. I think it's more of an institutionalized, yes. like, yeah. village Glenn's deal. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and we do the same thing with, you know, NetApp on NetApp, the, the NetApp IT guys, yeah. right? And, hey, we, we just you know, develop this new best practice. What do you guys think of that, right? Is this something that is a valid practice? Is it something that, you know, a, a, an actual user would be 
uh, interested in deploying. And so, yeah, it, there's very much a symbiotic relationship that exists between the different organizations inside of NetApp. And it's one of those culture things, right? We are all very open with each other, uh, which is uh, interesting for me coming from a, a completely different background. Yeah. And one of the reasons that I love Sipoak is, like Glenn said, a POC on the same time that's very simple, on the same time is very complicated. Because you never know what's going to happen. And yeah. you never know what you need to do to make it a success. Because you can plan, but every POC is a different story right. all the time. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, you asked the question about automation earlier. I think the truth of the matter is, like, I, I know some of the stuff you guys do is automated, like cluster setup and, and, and cluster refreshes. They've got that all scripted out, and it's super quick and easy. Right, but, the foundation. Yeah, but the reality is, you know, th these are one-offs. You know, the, the rule for automation is you need to do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a repeatable not, process. Yeah, yeah, if you're not doing the same thing, you can't really automate it. Let me give one example. That, that customer from Finland, he would like to see... Because when you do IOPS, let's say uh, 100,000 IOPS at one millisecond. Of course, that's not all the IOPS at one millisecond. You have IOPS because that's an average, right? And yeah. you have my bag here with Mr. Average. You can take a look at later. One let's say 100,000 IOPS at one millisecond. Of course, you have some IOPS at 0.5, some IOPS at 1.05, and you have the average of one millisecond response time. And for that customer, I use VD Bench to have all the histogram. Yep. to show, but when I send to them, they say, oh, but that's not okay. For why? Because I have the histogram from 0.4 to 0.6. I don't know exactly how many IOPS happening on 0.5. Okay, <laughs> so let me use another one that I can have 0.25 to 0.5 and 0.5 to 0.8. Wow. You can have that range. Again, it really changed. So it's different every time. Every time is different. Yeah, and that's that, that's that's a very interesting approach to that problem because because uh, my instinct would have been to sit him down and go, well, listen, this is how averaging works, and uh, we we can't guarantee you, like even if I did this test and we got a number, the reality is like that number is going to change a little bit over time as things go, you know, it's hence the average part, right? <laughs> well, the, these are algorithms. It's it's not addition, yeah. right? It, it's it's advanced math, not simple math. Like simple math is simple. One apple plus another apple is two apples. That's yeah, but, easy. But 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 one one very important important point is with the advent of flash, this kind of exact math change a little bit, right? Because yeah. when you were talking in the past, like oh, 10 milliseconds from Microsoft, oh, 20 20 milliseconds from Exchange, Jet Stress, blah 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 blah. But right now we are talking about microseconds. So like. 0.4 something, it's really important. Might be 40% of your traffic. That's the reason that they are looking for 200 microseconds or yeah. 250 microseconds because in a one millisecond response time, that's 25% of the traffic. Hmm. That's the reason that they need to take a look. But I completely agree. I think that people are a little bit, how can I use a very nice word for this? A little bit paranoid with performance. Uh, because, again, which application really needs... Ah, there, there's a very nice one. I did a POC uh, for a large customer, and <laughs> they, they came to RTP, but they, they told us, okay, uh, because, again, how the NCPOC works, and that's great. So we receive requests from the account teams, okay. like refs, and basically Scott assigns to different architects who have a great team, Black, Tony, Randy, Phil 
Chup, Diane, and basically they assign different refs to different people. Like if, if it comes from Oracle, probably I'm going to take some kind of performance, black, take storage grids, and keep going. Randy Hadoop, Tony VDI, and that's all. When POC came, a series, a uh, customer would like to run their own application. Okay, great. I remember that was 75,000 IOPS. Easy. Yeah, very it's small easy. potatoes, right? Ah, very simple. Okay, we're going to do like that. But that, that was going to use synchronous I.O., okay, because we are not sending, we are not using queue, we are just sending one, wait, send another one. But the response time from the host perspective was 0.4 milliseconds. That was the requirement coming yes. in? Yes. If yeah. we did not meet that requirement, we are out. Wow. And we did 0.2 <laughs> from the host perspective. And we own the business. I, you know which customer is that? I do, I do. You, you know, I, I, I kind of have to giggle a little bit because I wonder, like, what is the other guy thinking? Like, let's not talk. We're not here to talk about anybody else. Of course but, not. But, you know, 0.4 is not 0.4 milliseconds, guys. 0.4. Not even one. Not even a half. Not even a half. And that's not, <laughs> and that's not 0.4 from the storage. The, yeah. the guy was measuring on the host. On the host. So, so that, that you've got no time. Yeah, like when you're talking about that, I mean, you're you're realistically you're, you're going to get a minimum of somewhere between you know point one two five and and point two five uh, yeah, coming on, off yeah, just just the through the network. Point, yeah. point two, I think. Yeah, I have the screenshot. That's that's nuts, man. But but like so when that requirement comes in, you know you you know you're sitting here and you're just like, oh yeah, no, we got this. And then you get to the details, you're like, oh okay, well maybe this one is a little tricky, but we could still do it. I can only imagine being some of these other guys that we compete against getting that t- that type of requirement. Show me seventy five thousand IOPS at 0.4 milliseconds consistently, like that is real deal perf, man. Seventy five thousand writes, not reads, <sighs> not reads, just writes. Yeah, that's yes. that's oh my goodness. Well, and that's the other thing. So, Neto, I'm interested in your take on this um, because you, you you live this world and you very much are dealing with the outlash or the backlash rather of you know, a lot of this this stuff that's going on. But I have this feeling that that there's this fundamental lack of understanding around benchmarking and performance in general <laughs> right now. Yeah. And 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 one of the big things is is just the the actual impact of writing versus reading. Like I don't think people quite get that because like they'll there'll be these pu- people will publish numbers and they'll talk about performance and you know, that sometimes they do disclose and they'll be like, well, this was our 100% write number and here's with a 20% or 100% read. Yeah. And then we added 20% writes and notice how the number went from like 4 million down to 125,000. But like no one seems to understand how hard writing truly is and it doesn't appear to be part of the conversation. They're just focused on the read performance. Which, which is a completely different task. Which, which and honestly... Might be, right? Yeah. It depends. There are a million ways to solve read performance, but but write performance at the end of the day, like as and, and it's the CPOC guys to keep me honest with this, because I'll carry on sometimes about like ah just put flash cache in it, you'll be done, <laughs> and then one of them will come up behind me and go yeah it's all well and good till you need to write, <laughs> you know because they understand this world, they understand the realities of of these applications. So I'm I'm curious, like what are your thoughts on that on on based on your day to day interaction with customers and their actual understanding mm-hmm. of like what what matters when it comes to perf. Yeah, there's a couple things that I love in life, right? My family, of course, 
and that includes NetApp, not in that particular order. Could be NetApp <laughs> family, family NetApp. I think it's family NetApp because of the alphabetical order. And I love performance. I did my master's degree in Brazil about performance when NetApp was releasing iSCSI in 2004. And then we compare, I compare iSCSI with Fiber Channel. So the first thing that we need to understand when we talk about performance is a lot of people, they talk about IOPS. What exactly mean an IOP? It's a, a request, right? I want to write something and I want to read something. Very important point that you need to understand, what's the block size that you talk about that IOP? 1,000 IOPs at 32K is completely different than 1,000 IOPs at 8K, right? From, from the top and for waffle perspective, so everybody knows about waffle, writes, that's not that complicated. Waffle writes very, very, very well. Yeah. So the reads are a little bit more complicated because depending how is the structure in the waffle and how that is the randomness from the application, where are you going to get that block? Unfortunately, uh, from some reports from other vendors, they just show a big number of IOPS. But that is okay. Well, that was that was supposed to be okay in the past. Okay, let me give you an example. Uh, you guys, Andrew and Glenn, they know very well SQLIO. Everybody loves to use SQLIO, yep. and SQLIO was great in the past. Really? Right? Yes, because I was doing exercise against the lens, kind of between codes, simulating a SQLIO pattern and all that stuff. But today... Not the case anymore? Why not? You guys have an idea why not? Hecaton. Because be that generates guess. zeros. Oh. And any flash array oh, that's, that's going to detect yeah. zeros is not going to write anything. Hmm. I did a POC for uh, an SC, Charlotte, in I think that she's in the West Coast. And she has a customer, and she told me, oh, we need to run SQLIO. Like, oh, no, SQLIO, no, that's kind of complicated. Let's run anything that you are not going to generate zeros. Oh, but we need to prove. We did a lot of writes, but basically you're not writing anything. Yeah, the controller's just throwing all that I.O. out. Yeah. It's just sitting there doing inline zero detection going, nope, 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 so, nope, nope. Exactly. And right now, that's not the matter only to show a big number of IOPS, but exactly the methodology that you are using. I have seen some reports from other vendors running like HammerDB. HammerDB is like an open source tool that generates or that simulates TPCC to run an Oracle benchmark. And they like to publish like, oh, we, we did like 2 million trans TPMs, transactions per minute. But what exactly means TPM for storage? Yeah. If I do a query in, in Oracle, you do, if you do like select X from Duo, you are reading from memory, but that's a transaction for the database. Right. So I can do 2 million transactions querying memory. So today with the flash advance showing reports, it's very, very tricky how to create and how to interpret those. If you don't know and if you have if you don't have all the information behind the report, you can assume anything. Hmm. Worse or good. Yeah, that's why I'm you know, I, I think at this point I've been beating this horse to death since we came back on air. But that's fine. And a little bit before that. <laughs> but I'm gonna keep kicking the damn thing because it's still bothering me. Um, but you know, this is this is this is why I'm such a big fan of the standards. Right and and particularly stuff like SPC and 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 spec SFS, which you know, admit they're not perfect. Right, but there needs to be it needs to be the same. If you're going to compare, it needs to be you apples can, for apples. You can make direct 
connections between the relative performance or capabilities of two platforms using those methodologies because it, you at least understand that the test was the same. Yeah. Well, I, I will play devil's advocate for of a moment you because that's that's sort of my hobby when it comes to Glenn. <laughs> yes. Right. And that there's there's something to be said for the customer's actual workflow. Right. There's synthetic workloads or or you know these. Uh, benchmark-type workloads, um, and the argument against those is the so-called lab queens, um, you know, tailoring the configuration specifically to, you know, get the best performance out of that. And this is where something like the proof-of-concept lab, I think, is invaluable, because it's one thing to okay. march in and say, yeah, that that particular result is is full of crap because, you know, they changed the, the configuration in this way, and then we turn around and say, okay, here's your actual workload. Here is, right, what you're running. Here is... That you know application doing real world performance. Yep. So I I think there's a lot of I mean yes benchmarks are a starting point but you also have to take them with a little bit of a grain of salt. No, I completely agree. If you're talking about a customer proof of concept, nothing better than the real data, right? So because then they and the real workload, right? Because then they can they can measure that. But to what Glenn is saying, and I completely agree, is that. Outside of the world of CPOC, when you're reading and you're comparing and people are talking about what their particular storage can do, you know, it needs to be one for one, you know. <laughs> but I, I think that I agree with both. I agree with Glenn and with Andrew. I think that even with synthetic workloads, if you because what's the problem? The problem that when you have a report like custom, uh, competitor, let's say X, okay? Okay. Sure. Yeah. They run 2 million TPMs. But they don't, they don't tell us or they don't tell anybody the size of the database. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Could be one gig. Yeah. Could be in my pen drive. <laughs> Again, the nice about the benchmark like SPECSFS that you have everything disclosure, you don't have anything else to hidden. With from synthetic workloads, if you make it clear to people, okay, my working set or my data set is going to be X. I'm going to generate this pattern for compression. I'm not going to gener generate the dupable data, X, Y, and Z. It's fair. You can try to make it real for both. But I completely agree. And the nice about CPOC that when we receive a request, of course, for some customers, depending on the requirement, we need to build something huge like the eight nodes. But sometimes they ask, oh, give me a... Um, 10 shelves SSDs. So, no, no, we, you don't need that. Mm. I can show the performance with less. You can sell to your customer 10, but I'm going to prove with less. So, that's real. So, I think that if you make a combination between both, and sometimes we, we run non-official spec SFS in CPOC or SPC and all that stuff. But I think it really depends off to make it completely a full disclosure for the customer or for the account team what we are going to run. What's the tool? Because customer can try to simulate that at home, right? When they have the equipment and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I think that any solution is okay, but you have to disclosure. That's the most important thing. Make it clear. Yeah, the fear the fear is, you know, with, you know, it, listen, this isn't, we've talked about this before. This isn't just a storage thing. But, like, you know, the yes. graphics industry is is just wrought with bad things that have happened over the years about specializing ASICs so that very, very particular activities that only exist in benchmarks are offloaded to hardware so that a particular benchmark would run faster. Like, this stuff has happened in the computer industry. And there's, a, remember, there's a lot of tools today that came from the past. It's okay to generate news. 
that's very simple to write a code in C generating nodes. You don't need to have buffer, random in SCD and all that stuff. Generate nodes and send nodes. But right now, with zero detection and all that stuff, that's completely useless. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's the fear. These storage operating systems have gotten exactly. so darn sophisticated that actually being able to measure them without real data requires someone who knows what the heck they're doing. Right, so you the enhancements actually make the performance much yeah. more difficult. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. It, well, things like you know, NetApp's been working on our you know, read-ahead cache algorithm for 20-plus years. You know, at, at this point, it's pretty hard to fake it out with, a, with yes. a synthetic workload, right? We've just gotten really good at it. So, yeah, you really have to have either a true, a true workload so you can see, again, how your actual data is going to work or somebody who understands it well enough that they can design a test that is going to invalidate it, essentially, invalidate that uh, or, or make that algorithm not as efficient as it would normally be. Okay, stupid question time. So if SQL I.O. is not a good enough test anymore. What, what are some of the better, <laughs> or, or at least tests that you can use? Yeah, that's that's a very good question. I, I, like I said, I like SQLIO, but with A31. Yeah. yeah. Prior to A31, yeah. it was a great test. It worked. Yeah, exactly. A31, it's completely <laughs> useless. Yes. So, <laughs> tools that I like to use. Okay, I, I like to simplify that there are two type of tools, right? Actually, three kind of workloads, using what Andrew and Glenn said. So you have the real data, install Oracle database, get customer application, put there an exercise. This is a little bit more complicated, because how you're going to simulate the clients, the load, the sessions, it's possible, but a little bit more complicated. Sure. Another one is a synthetic workload mimicking the Oracle stuff. But you can use the Oracle or the database engine to do that, like Slobby, like HammerDB, they are going to use the their data. They are going to create a database. Uh, I don't like to say fake, but not real database. That you're going to, you're going to exercise that data using pretty much the database itself. Right, right. To generate IO, or you can you can mimic the, the workload using tools like VDBench. FIO, that you can really have a fine control inside the workload that how yeah. is my compressible data, how is my dedu dedupable data, how is my algorithm for the random seed. So every write, I need a completely different pattern for every block. It's many, many ways to do that. But long story short, synthetic workload. I like VDBench. I like FIO. Iometer, I think Iometer is fine, f just for Windows. Yeah, but but Iometer is really only useful for one thing and one thing only. How fast does this thing go? Yeah, like yes. other than that, it's it's useless. <laughs> yes, uh, I used to be a QA former for Iometer because I using my master's degree Iometer, but I agree. So if you want to do something very quickly, yeah, Windows GUI very nice, showing the speedometer, Iometer is okay. Right. right. But if you really want to see, oh, I want to use that kind of library like lib.io yep. or sync or this kind of outstanding IOs, percent of block size different, Iometer, you're going to create just one file. I want multiple files across multiple. The, 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 the animal is completely different. No, no, I can tell you're a DBA or you've, you've used databases for a long time because only database people care about the type of IO. Is it a sync IO? Is it an async? Is it, yeah. <laughs> I'm old school. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that I'm old. I'm getting old, but yeah, I'm kind of old school. Well, today's your 21st birthday, right? Uh, 18. 18. No, 18. Yeah. yeah. And I have been at that for 16. I started with two. Wow. Yeah. yeah. 
I was talking to Justin Parisi earlier, and he was like, oh, yeah, Netta from Brazil's coming on. And, and Justin is like the king of dad jokes. He's like, oh, yeah, he's he was born loving NetApp. His favorite food is waffles. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> well, that's a great company. Uh, and, and the most important that one of the one day one day someone asked me, why do you love NetApp? I think that I have respect for everybody else, other companies. I, that's completely fair for I don't need to hide that from anyone. But Netap is different. I think that the air is different. The people is different. So, like I said, that's a dream to come true to be here with you guys. So that is Netap. That is the culture. And that is one, if I need to say someone why I love Netap, is because of this. Yeah, that's, it's very All genuine. Right. Very right. genuine. So, so I, I have one sort of joke, but actually completely serious no, question. That's fine. Give me something you don't like. <laughs> You are so happy and so positive. Oh my like gosh. every single email starts with "My friend, I love you so much. How are you?" What and I don't then, like, <laughs> like I need to know something that that drives Man, you that's, nuts. That, that's uh, running SQLIO. Okay, <laughs> all right. We've arrived at something that Netter does not approve of. SQLIO in 2015. Yeah, yeah on maybe. an all flash array. <laughs> we found it. SQLIO. So, so NetApp, I have a bit of a... NetApp? Uh, you called them NetApp. Uh, it's that's appropriate. Yeah. It's appropriate, but... And I can explain my name. That is hilarious. <laughs> I'm going to explain so my NetApp. name. Yeah. So, so Neto, I have a bit of a different question for you, and I hope I don't throw too much of a curveball at you. So we've talked a lot about CPOC doing performance proof of concepts, right? Where you're working with the customer, proving that their, uh, that their application is going to run adequately on... NetApp storage. Do you also do other things like, uh, for lack of a better term, a functionality proof of concept, right? NetApp has been talking about the data fabric for over a year now, right? Do customers come to you and say, well, I don't, I don't believe you. I want you to show me the data fabric. Does that ever happen? Yes, a lot. Um, that's a very good question. Thank you. Yes, yeah, CPOC does POCs for relate to performance and features, right? And the last insight in Berlin, we did Data Fabric live during the, the roadshow, showing that we are moving uh, Oracle database between NPS, AWS, and CPOC nice. live. And we have a standard awesome. environment that we can use that. I think that we are going to do one tomorrow. Really? That yeah, we have been doing that for a year. Oh, no, I didn't I, even know that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Exactly what Glenn said about yeah. the, the standard environments. One of the standard environments that we have is uh, the, the data fabric. Yeah, and my, my personal experience with the CPOC organization over the years is, is, you know, I've been brought in on two or three, you know, engagements where the, the customer was w wanted to see a very specific thing, and I happened to have expertise in that thing, so I got pulled in to help out the, the CPOC architect get that up and running and just do a transfer of knowledge. But they've all been functionality. It's all been, you know, we, okay, money where your mouth is, show me, right? And, and going in and showing them doing a DR failover with SMHV. Right or 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 ODX performance with with Hyper-V that sort of stuff. It, yeah, you, you know, fair, fair enough. Because yeah. now that I think about it, I've been involved in a couple of them, and I was always brought in more in a consultant type role. And yep. you know, how, how do how do we do this thing with VMware? And I never really thought of it as a functionality test, more of a we are you know the account team and the the CPOC are working with the customer to help them solve a problem, right? Not just prove that it works, but help them solve a problem at the same time. And I just never thought of it that way. So the way that I like to to summarize CPOC is in a nice way. A lot of crazy guys running POCs all the time to help NetApp to close deals as soon as possible. Doesn't matter what kind of POCs we are talking about. Is there an acronym for that? So it's a lot of crazy guys. CPOC. CPOC. <laughs> okay. That's the acronym. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, we could get Garrett in here. I'm sure he could come up with an acronym. He, he seems to be pretty good after that barnacle. Yeah, well, yeah exactly. I, I still don't know how he remembers that. Hey, he's a TD, that's how. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of the job description, right? That makes but, sense. Um, so we should probably uh, transition uh, a little bit just because, you know, we're, we've got, you know, we're about 40 minutes into this this talk so far. And, and I feel like we would be doing our listeners a disservice, Neto, if we didn't uh, pick your brain at least for a little bit uh, about some tips and tricks and things to consider about Oracle performance since, you know, you've essentially been doing Oracle on NetApp. Uh, professionally for the better part of 15 years. No, I don't. I don't Oracle, what, 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 what exactly <laughs> is that? I don't know what is that. Uh, it's a parking garage where you have to right. pay for every okay. parking space. Okay, yeah, I remember that. Yes. It, yeah. They, yeah, they have the MySQL database. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's kind of database. Okay, I have heard about that. Yes, that is the right answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for years, Andrew and I would get into, go figure, we would argue, but we would get into arguments about like, does this go on a BS MySQL database or is it real and it gets something I actually know and can care about? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, he's a certified MySQL database. I like MySQL as well. MySQL is nice. Yeah, I see you in the I see you in the EBC constantly, the Executive Briefing Center here at NetApp, talking about Oracle. So, mm-hmm. what's the what's the pitch here for you know like why would somebody want to use NetApp on uh, if they have an Oracle environment? <laughs> that's a that's a good question. Um, Again, with like you said in the beginning, right? Flash changes everything, right? So with the Flash stuff, all Flash files, some database, even MySQL or SQL or anything else, they want to test in a, in a faster media. So NetApp, I have been using NetApp with Oracle since I start more than 15 years. And we start with NFS. So I start with NetApp, DatonTap 5.1, two floppy drives and all that stuff. Wow. Yes. Yeah, I can talk about that. 6.30 and F6.30s. And I think that the, the, the and, and even you can say by my name, right, if you, take, if you get this NET, APP, and o Oracle, and you can see that NetApp and Oracle, they are always tied together, especially if my name that I can talk about that, right? Nito, NET, NetApp, o Oracle. So with all the integration that we have, snapshots, clones, restores, a lot of vendors, a lot of competitors, they say that they can do the same. But that's kind of different, right? I, I did a POC for a, a customer running Oracle, and I have that video, and I can show it to you guys. That yeah, we'll, I, we'll put it on the show notes. Yeah, yeah, and I did like thousands of snapshots, like 3,000 of snapshots of an yeah. Oracle database. And the performance is great. Oracle is a little bit tricky, to do POCs with that, especially when customers send data to us because you need to import, you need to make sure that you have the right configuration from server, memory, the application perspective. But that's not that's not that complicated. That's one more application that you need to understand, that you need to make sure that you are running in the in the right way. And that works great with Oracle. And we have we have proven that for a long time. And with the all flash fed stuff right now, and that's more than proven that we have some technical reports showing like 300,000 IOPS with Oracle, sub-millisecond response time, and I think that's a, that's a great combination. So the, the only people, and this is a bit of a, 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 not necessarily a trivia question, but just a, in your experience type of thing, you know, the only people more uh, stodgy than us storage administrators are DBAs. Do you see a lot of different versions, particularly older versions of Oracle, and does that cause issues? <laughs> yes. Again, like... Uh, a lot of DBAs, uh, they they don't like. Okay, there Change. are yeah, yeah, there are DBAs, <laughs> and there are DBAs. Life. So some DBAs they are more open to adapt themselves with the new 
add, like say, the new adventure of Flash and other stuff, right? But there are other DBAs that they sometimes they don't believe in snapshots. They think that snapshots are not backups. And it's no, it's a backup. Oh, but if I if I lost all my equipment, what happened? But that is you can do a just recovery. You can send snap vote. They exactly. It happens all the time. Uh, some DBAs asking for RAID 1. They don't believe in RAID EP. Even 2015, they are asking for, oh, let's put my redo logs on a different yeah. disk. Oh, my gosh. Okay. But again, we, we, when you start to get, I don't like to say older, but when you start to get have more experience as the day, as like today, that's the day, September 15th, uh, you start to be a little bit more, okay, do you want to put reduce in a different way? Okay, you can do that, especially with cluster data on top right now, right? Because you have a scale-out solution. Okay, you don't have redo logs with data. Okay, put in one node data, another node redo logs, and you accomplish what you want. But exactly, it's still having some DBAs that are trying to... <laughs> one day I had a discussion with a very well-known Oracle guy, because a lot of the guys, they know me very, very well. And there, there is a... A lot of the, you realize, guys, please don't get offended with that, but you realize that some guys are not adapting to change when they start to use some convention to install Oracle. Probably you have heard that. Slash U01, slash U02, slash U10. Why do you have that? Oh, because Oracle created that in 1995. I think that was Kerry Millsap that I have a, a great respect for him. But Again, you can put whatever you want. Slash Nito, slash Netapia, I love this company. You can, you can use anything, <laughs> right? But, that's where I'm putting all my databases from now on. Yeah, slash yeah. Neto, I love this company. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. But, oh, slash you, again. How many characters is that? Uh, enough. It'll work. It, it, it works. Okay. I, I, <laughs> it works. I did that. Yeah. <laughs> it works. Yeah. He knows. He knows. Uh, but again, it depends. But I, I, have, I have been lucky reaching with our customers during these 15 years, and I have the privilege to work with a lot of guys that they are very open-minded. They, they, they really accept well. Again, okay, backup in a traditional way is that. Snapshots is different. Because, again, if you look from a traditional way, backups, when you're talking about a 10 terabytes database, that's fine. But when you talk, we are discussing a database here in CEPOC the database was going to start at 100 terabytes for a customer. Yeah. You're going to start at 100 terabytes. In three years, that's going to be like 700 terabytes. Yikes. How do you back up that with a traditional backup? Yeah, without no snapshots, not going to yeah, happen. That's kind of complicated, right? Yeah, that's why I've kind of started to, to, to break the conversation. Whenever I get to data protection with any account or any customer, I kind of a little pause and go, well, let me, let, let's be clear, right? There's data protection, the, the persistence... You know, something happened. Oh crap! We're out of business. We need to get this back now. And then there's the data archive requirement, which is your, you know, the, we just got the subpoena from somebody, and we need the following user's mailbox between January second and February fifteenth of, you know, two thousand and seven. That's archive, long-term, cold archive. And then you've got your, your, your you know, what, what we simply often refer to as backup, which is just the. If something happens, I need to be able to bring this back. And and often, you know, the the appropriate solution for a customer is some sort of hybrid config that that uses a little bit of both, right? Using the array-based technology for what it's great at and and for what it can do that nothing else can, and then layering in some other form of technology, whether it be a pure NetApp stack or a hybrid approach with partners, uh, to to solve the, those those other requirements. But I I completely agree. But we do get lost in too many religious wars uh, over what words mean. Um, NAS, that, 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 SAN, yes. yeah, 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 SIFs, 
<laughs> SMB. Yeah. No, no SQL databases. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. My SQL is for small show. Again, I think that the, the the technology is completely changing and breaking some paradigms, right? Some changing some stuff. Like in the past, if you look like ten years ago, looking from the layers, right? You have application layer, server, user, application, server, networking, storage, and the disk. So the slower piece was on the bottom, the disk. Sure. Right now it's different. That's not the disk anymore. Maybe CPU in, in the storage, maybe the application that's not going to driven that amount of I.O. Because you can have a, a solution with one million IOPS, but what kind of application are going to generate one million IOPS? Probably a shared infrastructure is going to generate one million IOPS, but not one application. Again, that's the beauty about technology, and that's the beauty about NetApp. NetApp is adapting from different medias, different technologies to help customers to meet their challenge and meet their accomplishment. L like I always just say, right? Flash. For, to me, Flash is a, one, that's a completely different media. F from Waffle perspective, we have SaaS, right. we have SATA, and right now we have Flash. In the next, let's say, maybe five years, we are going to talk about 3D from Intel. Again, that's going to be a new, a, a completely different media. Right, so yeah. Waffle is going to adapt for that different media. Sure. So we need to adapt all the time. And that's what happens with NetApp and Oracle. Right? We start with NFS, breaking some paradigms, some kind of religions. Oh, we cannot run. Oh, NFS, oh my gosh. The world is going to end. No, you cannot have database in NFS. We have plenty customers Tons of customers running database on NFS, but for us today, it's just another protocol. Just yep. pick one. Yep. FCOE, FC, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, we don't care anymore. The most important that I always like to say is we have a storage hypervisor. The name of this guy is Waffle that I like to have on my breakfast on Sundays, but not that waffle. That's the other waffle. Right. Uh, and that's the beauty of NetApp, that you can adapt that guy. What's really changing the world right now? Like what happened to Flash. Well so, said. So you've been you you talk with a lot of customers, a lot of DBAs. Um, do you see any concerns as Flash becomes more prevalent about failure domains? And what I mean by that is now you can have a single appliance that's running half a million IOPS easily, which means that if you lose the wrong power strip, if that rack falls through the floor, you've now lost your entire database infrastructure as opposed to maybe just a chunk of it previously. Do you see customers being concerned about that? That's why I love you for that question. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yes, and that is, I truly believe that, that's the reason that I love NetApp, that we have the right technology for this. We have a scale-out solution that you can have. I like to say that we have a hybrid scale-out solution that we can combine different kind of medias on the same cluster and to spread and don't have uh, just a single failure domain. Because if you just talk about a typical flash vendor, right? They have a high availability solution that might have a high availability solution. And you are going to rely on that box for one X billion IOPS, something like this. With But if something happens, what do you do? When you have a scale-out solution, that you can you can have that option to have let's say eight nodes, couple nodes SaaS, couple couple nodes SATA, couple nodes all flash fast. You have the ability 
to move applications from flash to disk or disk to flash. And also, you have the exactly same technology that has been in the data fabric, like you ask. That's the reason that you say F to D to C, disk to flash to cloud. Disk yeah. to so, flash to cloud. Exactly. Yeah. So you can move stuff around. And the most important is you don't need to talk to anyone. You don't need to talk to the application guy. So personally, I believe that in the future, companies are going to have, or even data centers are going to have more shared store infrastructure, large clusters, because that's going to be easy to manage and easy to make decisions, to move workloads around. Because you can really, with KOS right now, you can really say, okay, that application I can give X, or that application I can give Y. You can create a SLA to say this is gold and this is bronze. Right, but right. if you have just one flash, how are you going to do that? Just one kind of solution. Doesn't work that way because how do you do you apply KOS on the same box? It's kind of weird. But when you have a hybrid cloud solution and a hybrid storage solution that you can move stuff around, that's great because today one application might require Flash, but in three months, not necessarily. Right. And you can easily move stuff around and reallocate on demand, and even that you can and you can try to extrapolate using WFA to automate that and any kind of solutions that you might have. I could not agree with that more if I tried. Yep. Neto, you're going to Insight, right? Yes. What I, sessions you give, man? You, yeah. You know the numbers off the top of your head? Let's go ahead and get people. Some, no, let's get some people registered. I, I don't remember. But I, don't I'm worry about to... the numbers. Tell us the, tell us what you're talking about, and they will find you on the schedule. And, get, of course, we'll leave links on we'll the show notes. In, we'll get, leave them in the show notes. Guess yeah. what? I'm going to talk about... Uh, let me think. Let me think. How you love NetApp? Uh, and SQL, yes, in Oracle. Um, <laughs> I was being, a yeah, no Oracle, right? Yes, I'm going to talk. I'm, I'm going to have two sessions. I'm going to do. I'm going to be in Vegas and in Berlin, and I'm going to do recommendations how, how to run Oracle on a tap. Actually, database on a tap. I'm getting more focus on Oracle. Okay. And another one is protecting your database using data protection techniques to protect your database across anything from local backups, from, from remote backups, some kind of that. That's going to be interesting. Should be good. Yeah, we'll see you there. I hope. Yeah, and hopefully we can uh, grab you for one of the daily recaps and see how things went for you. Because we'll, uh, the three of us will be doing uh, Insight daily recaps uh, at both Vegas and Berlin. So uh, I'll find you guys there. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think I have a better understanding of what CPOC is here at NetApp. Neto, thanks for coming in and joining us today, man. Guys, thank you very much. That's a big privilege to be here. Uh, like I said in the beginning, uh, it's a dream to come true to be part of the podcast, and I hope to be back. And I'd like to really thank for CPOC for the opportunity to be part of that day, that, that great team. And I'd like to really thank NetApp for all these years. It's a big honor, and I'm really blessed to be part of that, that family. Oh, yeah, well... As far as I'm concerned, the feeling is very mutual. So how do people stalk you on Twitter? It's very simple. Uh, Nito from... Art, no, Nito from Brazil. <laughs> Neto from Brazil. That's easy enough. I should have guessed. And NetApp. I love this company. Thank you very much. All right. Well, that music tells me it's time to go. And so if you want to get in touch with us, send us an email at podcast at netapp.com. Follow us on Twitter at NetApp. And, and subscribe to the podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes at Tech on Tap. And until next week, bye for now. Do you love this company? Of course, always. <laughs> no top, I love this company. Oh, yeah.
I think it's time for beer and breadstick myself. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Pete, I'm so proud of you for doing the outtake in one one try. I'm kidding. <laughs> hey, don't tell my secrets. It only takes me five times usually to do the outtake. I can't and this time you it just took one. Added him in the outro. You're such How a jerk. How dare you? <laughs>